Hello, this is the Kaiju Transmissions podcast. I am Kyle Bird, and I am joined by Matt Parmley. Yep, yep. <laughs> um, and we're here with our friend Tom, uh, who was here quite quite a bit. Hello, how is everyone? We're great. This is our first time talking. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And uh, we're here to talk about a little independent film. Uh, I guess it's a short film, but it's it's like a semi-feature. But that is The Idol, directed by Norman England. Full disclosure, Norman is a friend of ours. He's been on this show four times, I believe. Um, and I feel like it's important to preface this by saying that because you'll have people that are like, oh, well, you know, you're just, you know, trying to plug your friend's thing or whatever. Um, but that's also part of why I'm glad Tom is here because Tom does not know Norman. Tom (laughs) being here is he's like the guy that, you know, if someone is going to be really cynical about it, you know, Tom is the... What do you call it? The, like um, the independent third party. Right, yeah. Um, SRS Cinema has been doing just a killer job of releasing these little-known independent tokusatsu films. Like these, uh, they did uh, the, the three Shinpei Hayashiya movies, Attack of the Giant Teacher, um, Howl from Beyond the Fog is coming. Apparently, they have two more releases bef- slated for the next uh, within the next couple months. We're supposed to. Yeah, they said they're announcing one. Yeah. As of the time we're recording this, they said they're announcing one next week. Yeah. So, um, I mean, and if you haven't listened to our interview with Ron Bonk from SRS, check it out. I mean, the guy is doing the Lord's work, you know, and shout out to Avery Guerra, who is like. I don't know. He's getting. He's like getting all these released, and that's just in insane. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, and one of them uh, the, that they put out recently. This is an older title um, that some people might remember from you know around the time it was it was made and you know first shown in Japan. Um, but that's the idol directed by. Norman England, who is an American living in Japan. Um, but uh, I think a lot of people would know him. Um, you know, he's he's been a uh, pretty prominent still photographer on, you know, movies like Gamera 3. I mean, most Toho movies from, you know, the Millennium series... Um, Every now and then, he'll wind up in a cameo. You know, he's the cruise missile guy in Tokyo SOS. Um, He's in most of Kaneko's films um, because him and Kaneko are real close. Um, And, uh, of course, he's he's written a lot, too, back in the day, you know, when he was more involved with this this fandom, you know, he, he, he would write set reports that, you know, you probably, you might've seen them in Fangoria or G fan. He also does a lot of subtitling. Um, a lot of Japanese releases he's done subtitles for, um, some big ones like, uh, Yakuza apocalypse. And then if you saw that's the Mike movie, but if you, if you saw Mike's most recent one, first love, 
he did the subtitles for those. Um, so if you're if you're a very casual Godzilla fan, um, and you're looking for where you could spot Norman England at home, <laughs> pop in your whatever your disc, whatever you have, whatever version you have of Godzilla Tokyo SOS, and look for the guy who says cruise missile. <laughs> That's Norman. I mentioned that already, but yes. Did you mention that specifically? Yes. I don't know if you mentioned he's the guy who says cruise missile. (laughs) He he does. I did. It's all right. It's all right. Uh, Everybody gets to hear it twice now. It's fine. um, Well, I was, I was, I was zoning out. I was, I was looking up, uh, I was looking up an actor's name. um, It's okay. Because I can't ever remember this guy's name. Is it Hotaru? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking, Tom. I did the same thing. <laughs> you love that guy, but but yeah. I know. I yeah, love I, that guy, and I can't ever remember his name. That's he's terrible. Awesome. <laughs> um. Uh, also, uh, if people um have the Rodan and War of the Gargantuas classic media set, uh, the full length documentary that he did with Steve Rifle and. Ed Godzicheski, uh bringing Godzilla down to size. He directed that as well, um, which, thanks to Toho, um, has just uh, probably just seized life at this point <laughs> because I know Criterion tried to get that. <laughs> anyway, uh, so yes, um, this is his first movie, um, and this was from 2005, so... Uh, this is a case of SRS going into the the depths of uh, kind of older stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, this is one where he, he really... Norman really flexed a lot of his connections. Um, uh, you, you have... Um, what's his first name? Yukijiro. Okay. Yukijiro Hotaru uh, is in it, and people would know him from the Gamera films as the the detective, um, and also uh, Rago and and Raiga, uh, Zerum. Um, people should know who he is, uh, I would hope. Um, but uh, the score was done by Ko uh, Otani, who did GMK and the Gamera films, and I mean a whole ton of stuff the guy's insanely prolific um uh kiyotaka taguchi who does a lot of the modern ultraman stuff uh did uh some visual effects um you get uh a cameo from like tomo haraguchi um bob eggleton did some of the matte paintings um takako fuji who uh plays um uh what's the ghost in the grudge um oh Kai, is it Kayo, Kayako? It's uh yeah, Kayako. Yeah, she she plays Kayako and all the all the all those. Um so yeah, there's a whole lot of veteran folks in front of and behind the camera. Um and uh yeah, this this is a uh, a movie that is kind of uh taking the piss out of collector culture which I think any fandom has a large subset of people that are really more 
interested in merchandise than they are, you know, anything uh, that, you know, any whatever movie or comic book or whatever that is, you know, the origin of said merchandise. You know, toy collectors and, yes, Godzilla, but also, you know, Star Wars and just, you know, nerds in general really just love to collect. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and this is kind of... Uh, you know, poking poking fun at that a little bit. Um, and so I am going to elect somebody else to do our, our plot breakdown. I could do this one. All right, yeah, go for it. Um, so this starts with, oh, by the way, I've fallen, I've, on Letterboxd, I've fallen down a rabbit hole of, uh, I may have done this before on an episode when we were talking about Hotaru, Yukijiro Hotaru, I've fallen down the rabbit hole of looking at his uh, his filmography. Oh, uh, there's um, some wild stuff in there. <laughs> yeah, like Molester Train, Sexy Time Trip Ninjas. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. anyway. <laughs> He's adding that to the watch list. Um, um, the movie starts off with him. He's a homeless man um, sitting in his little homeless shelter. And... Um, <laughs> I guess it's like a thing, or maybe it was a thing in Japan in in that time, or maybe it still is, for homeless people to go around and gather up like discarded magazines and then sell them again um, and try and make some money. Kind of like, you know, it, in America, it would be a person walking around grabbing aluminum cans, you know? Um, so he's laying out all of his magazines that he's going to sell. Isn't the that next what he's, he's day. doing that in Gamera Three too? Isn't he? Is he? Yeah, he sells magazines. That's when he first run the the bird lady first. <laughs> yeah, he's got like him, a stand like, or something, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Cinematic well, universe. But yes. <laughs> <laughs> Confirm. So he's uh, he's sitting. Um, you know, just laying out his magazines for the next day in, in his little homeless hut. And uh, and a spaceship lands. And out of the spaceship comes a, a horrifying-looking slug alien monster thing. And it looks like it's going to eat him and maybe attack him. And uh, instead, it hands him this doll and then leaves. And as he's staring at the doll, it, like, blasts his brain and... Um, then we flash over to Ken, and Ken is an obsessive collector. And when he walks into his local comic shop and he sees a really cool-looking space doll, he just has to have it. Uh, never mind it, that you know the price tag is like a hundred thousand yen or something, which is like a thousand dollars. Ken thinks it's cool, so he's just got to have it. He doesn't recognize it as being from anything, and he's definitely never seen what it would have been from. He just thinks it's cool, so he's got to throw all of his money at it, um, which is the money he had been saving for taking his girlfriend out to dinner because it's his girlfriend's birthday, but instead this toy is more important to him. Um, So we know that this doll is probably not that great of a thing right because it was plopped off on earth by this horrible slug space monster so it's probably not a cool thing to be having until it actually is um somehow after getting this doll things really start going right for ken uh he 
you know, gets sent out by this fan club that he's in to go take pictures of this idol girl. And if you don't know, and maybe I'm not completely dead on with this, but like an idol girl in Japan um, is basically like a cute young girl who exists to be cute and young and pretty. And maybe do some acting and maybe do some singing and definitely shill a lot of project or product rather not project. And, and they're marketed as being like approachable girlfriend types that like guys can follow and, you know, you, you could follow their lives a little bit, kind of like how boy bands are marketed to tween girls here in America. Um, you know, like you get to know their personalities, which are just fake made up personalities that they're expected to have. Um, so this isn't just any idol girl. This is an idol girl that happens to be his favorite idol girl. And he doesn't just get to meet her. She falls for him because they have the same hobby of collecting dumb toys. Um, and, uh, his girlfriend, his current girlfriend, who he finds like dull and tedious breaks up with him anyways. So he's saved from even having to take care of that responsibility and uh mayuka who's the the idol girl she she really really likes him and they have fun talking about their shared obsession with collecting and he starts to feel like he's just carefree he doesn't have to worry about work anymore it's and it's a job that he hated anyways that he's always kind of been like a like a sad sack at work you know his his office is a mess and the guy next to him is like a, a ladder climber who hates his guts anyways and is always trying to throw him under the bus um their job by the way is awesome <laughs> it's their job is creating slogans in english um just like nonsense slogans um which is just a funny like if you've <laughs> ever seen like those those shirts or those signs that that like will show up on memes every once in a while of like you know I am cheeseburger with right. <laughs> couch you know like um, and and that, that I I feel like that could only have come from a foreigner living in Japan and <laughs> who can actually read the English properly and be like that doesn't make any sense yeah <laughs> um, but so he 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 just suddenly doesn't feel. Like he has to care about work anymore, and he really doesn't because now there's this beautiful, rich girl who's in love with him, right? And um, you know, it's kind of we're we're sitting there as the audience, just waiting for the the other shoe to drop, right? Um, and ultimately, it does. And I I don't know if we want to get into how it does, um, or if we you know want to not spoil it for people. Um, but the other shoe does eventually drop, right? And the, this idol that has been somehow changing his luck, uh, suddenly his luck turns very much back the opposite direction. Right. Do I want to just leave it there? Yeah, I mean, we, we'll. I guess we can. We can get into the ending <clears throat> a little bit later. But yeah, that's that's kind of the nuts and bolts of it. And um, yeah, it's interesting that. Like you said, I mean, this guy just sees this toy and he doesn't even know what this thing is, and he's just like, "I need to have it." Um, and I, I, I feel like that compulsion definitely occurs within, I mean, any toy collecting culture, I, I'm sure. Um, and yeah, just the the life this guy has is, you know, I mean, it's a lot like 
a lot of the kind of niche fandoms like uh he gets these calls from his friend and you know they you, you know that they obsess over things like kind of uh i don't know for for people for younger people you know these movies that are like half forgotten like disney's black hole and um and yeah then you compound that with the idol culture and uh yeah you get this guy who is just like pretty oblivious to even like his own life like he's, he blows all his, the money for his his girlfriend's birthday on this toy and it's like you know i'm wondering how many people we may have interacted with a lot <laughs> you know it's a whether, lot. It's a lot. <laughs> whether you know it be online or you know at in person or at a g fest or at a comic book shop that <clears throat> have done something like that i mean I remember, like Matt and our friend Eric. You know, I mean, like they're 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 toy guys. I am not a toy guy, but like they they've told me about people that like where it's like an addiction <laughs> almost, and like so they, like and and like people like people like go broke buying toys instead of like you know paying bills. It happens. Yeah, I've. This is something that this is one of the reasons why I, I like this movie so much is because it did resonate with that aspect and being like Bird, you've been to my house. I used to have a ton of uh, Godzilla stuff, and I actually ended up selling probably I would say eighty percent of it. But um, I know people we, like this is a conversation that I've had with other. I would not consider myself like a diehard collector by any means, but like I've had coll- conversations with legitimate diehard collectors that go out and spend like thousands of dollars on stuff. And there, there are conversations that they've had where they're, they come to this sort of, I guess, realization that like, it's never going to be enough. Like the next thing that they get that like sort of the high that they kind of get from buying it or like that, that nice feeling, like it just, it go it fades. And so they got to go buy like the next thing. And then five years later, they sell everything or they sell 50% of it because they realize like how much they've spent and how much, you know, how much energy they put into it. And like, that is a very common sentiment in the people that I have interacted with, like directly. It's a conversation that I see pop up in some of the Godzilla groups and different collecting places where like people just eventually get worn out. And I think this movie does a really great job that by the end of it, like it captures that thing where like, instead of, the, you know, instead of you buying something and enjoying it, that thing has control of you. It's and it, it flips it on its head and like that that's a real thing. And like I think that's what overall for me, that's why I enjoy this movie the way that I do. Um, but it like it might be a parody of that, but it's also like a, a genuine real thing that I've seen happen to people. Like it's had to have led to like divorces and stuff. <laughs> It's it's a ballsy move too, you know. I mean, because you know the the early two thousands saw a massive uptick in like tokusatsu and kaiju parodies and comedies, right? And and even even then, still to an extent to this day, like even in the the big more mainstream movies, we get a lot of comedy smashed into them, right? And and we're still getting some parodies and things too. And in in all of this, like I mean, we just we just reviewed not Zilla. I don't know which order you're going to release these episodes in, but like we just talked about a parody, right? 
And in all of these parodies that, that really came in a hot streak, especially around the time that this movie was made, the fandom itself itself escaped really pretty much unscathed. You know, no one no one has ever made a movie that like attacked and I don't want to say attacked because this is this isn't like this is like some really like paints this guy to be like the worst person on earth or anything, but like there there's there's none of these movies pick on the fandom itself at all. Right? They they pick on the movies, not the people who like the movies. And and so it's a ballsy move to make a movie that that is at least to an extent like picking on these people, right? And and yeah, Ken is ultimately like a, a little bit more of a three dimensional character than just some idiot who likes to buy stupid plastic dinosaurs. But like, um, you know, it's a, it's a it's a ballsy move to make that on the face of it because you open yourself up to, I'm sure, a lot of attacks from who do just like to buy stupid plastic dinosaurs yeah i would imagine that's going to be for people that see this film that that do collect that could be a, a, a takeaway but like there there is there is a healthy way to, to to go about that and like listen you can't people can buy whatever they want but i'm telling you like this movie it does capture something that is very real it's one of those things that i've seen it happen i've seen people that have like had to sell everything because they couldn't cover a thousand dollar bill and that that's a tough place to be in right like it's it's one of those things where just i don't know i because i've seen it happen firsthand like i I felt the impact of the movie yeah and and well yeah and he's not the worst guy i mean no we we interviewed norman a couple months ago about this movie and you know he we said like you know he he used to collect you know every now and then he'll still get something here and there but yeah there's there's definitely a compulsion in those circles i think where eventually yeah it's all about that kind of it's like an addiction like you get that dopamine kick of getting your 30 centimeter Sakai Rick Boy X Plus, you know, SHMA, whatever, you know, whatever, whatever it is. And I don't know. I mean, I, I haven't collected any since I was a little kid. So I don't really know how, you know, how, how that, what that turns into as adulthood. But, you know, even with little kids, I mean, all three of us have kids at, at home, you know. There's toys they beg for for a week. You finally get it for them, and then they play with it for like a day, and then it just sits in a box. I mean, that, that happens is, with that little kids. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. And so, I mean, for adults, I mean, you get that new toy, and, you know, you, you take it out of the box, you find a nice place for it, and then... And then what? I mean, how how long is that thing going to be keeping you happy <laughs> until you need to buy another one? It, Norman spoke very – when we talked to him, he mentioned uh, there was some figure that he had, I think, that was like – I don't know if it was like 40 or 30 years old or something that he still had. Yeah, from the was, 60s, it was like a little Martian from some line of like – back when toy lines just put out cool-looking – creatures just because you know they weren't tied into a cartoon or whatever but yeah it was a little martian that um 
sort of influenced the look of the the alien coon is the name of the doll in this but yeah it was it was the inspiration for that yeah he he spoke highly of, of i think it's important for people to understand like we're not saying don't collect but i think there is something to be said for doing it in a, in a healthy way and for everybody that can mean different things right because part of that could be like maybe you're spending too much money or part of that could be like maybe maybe your priorities like our character in this film aren't in the right place like this guy's with his girlfriend is supposed to take her out and instead drops buku dollars on this figure that he doesn't even understand that like he doesn't know where it came from what it's representing he just thought it looks cool and it was going to cost him an arm and a leg and he said you know what it's fine i'm going to go and spend that money and like there's i mean i've, I've seen people it do it it has man. to be rare if it costs that much you know like yeah it's it's <clears throat> I, I've just I've seen people in that situation and like I don't know I, I can't say it enough like it, it happens and that's the part that like it just to me is a gut punch because because I know those people it's I'm like damn this movie captured that that perfectly and yeah. I, I, for that reason I hope people watch it yeah and, and like that and like what you guys were saying like at a certain point like those items have more control over you than you do you know um and uh and so yeah we we see how this dog there's something about this toy that has turned his life upside upside down um and then uh you know i guess we'll we we can go ahead and you know say the ending you know if you don't care you keep listening or i mean i i i like this movie a lot i i would say if you if it sounds like it's up your alley so far i mean hit pause go to srscinema.com order the blu-ray watch the movie come back and listen to the rest or you know fast forward a few minutes but but yes um and uh you know knowing norman he's a big fan of the outer limits and like the twilight zone and this it's reflected here um but yeah the the kind of twist is, is that this this toy is actually you know an alien being that feeds off of people's emotions and so he gets full on all of all of Ken's happiness and so he he rips he rips everything away from him and uh it's funny he, even fe- the t- he feeds off your highs and your lows. yeah and your lows yeah so he he's full on the highs and it's funny like you even see the doll like has like a little belly on him like he's uh <laughs> you know um so he rips all these things away from him and ken wakes up and you know he's homeless and um you know this idle girl uh is she's with like some douchebag now she's right? she's with the guy that he his, works with yeah yeah there's his co-worker guy um and you know they're like oh my god he smells so bad and they're like oh just give him give him a couple you know some change and like get away and the guy's from, like and know? the guy's like I just banged her in a motel and it was dirty. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Um, and so his life is just gone from like a dream come true to like his worst nightmare. And so his girlfriend doesn't recognize him. Yeah. The uh, girlfriend that he like basically abandoned okay. <laughs> when, when he got this toy, doesn't recognize him. And she's also with someone else. His and, best like, friend. Yeah, and he's like all, uh, or no, is is it his best friend or the comic store guy? 
or the the toy store guy. I think it's the guy I, that runs the toy store. Oh, maybe. But um, but yeah, and they're like talking about toys and stuff, and uh, like he's basically just he's miserable. Um, and then yeah, you have the the alien explaining to him like what's happening, and so. It, it's controlling every aspect of his life, the the good and the bad, and it's feeding off of his his highs and his lows, and it's it's manipulating him and just warping his life basically. So everything is just ripped away from him. Um, and then yeah, when the alien gets full, you know, of and it's it's drained somebody of all that stuff, then it will go and find someone else. So, you know, I would imagine the, that crazy looking slug tentacled alien earlier, uh, was probably its previous victim, you know? Um, oh, that's a hundred percent what, it, what's implied. Yeah. Yeah. Because so Ken, Ken is, he's about to kill himself because he had everything he would have ever wanted. And then it, it gets ripped away from him. Um, and his life is worse than, than he could have possibly imagined. He realizes kind of how good he did have it before, you know, he had his dream life. He realizes how good his normal life was. And the alien says, no, don't kill yourself. And he's like, what the hell? (laughs) And he's like, I don't want you to kill yourself because I need you to help me get my next meal. And he's like, what are you talking about? He's like, I'll give you back your normal life, your regular life, if you do a favor for me. And then the movie ends with uh, Ken bringing the the idol out to some other planet and handing it to some other alien. And it's now, you know, going to feed on that person. Well, that alien whatever <laughs> right right um yeah so it, it that's it's a it's a clever little movie and we we talked a, a lot about you know thematically you know what what it's about but uh i think just also especially for you know someone that hasn't really directed before and has just spent time around film sets it's it's got like a, a real uh flair to it like there's some some really creative choices going on like um you know whenever he calls his friend who his nerd friend uh you know there's a a little he kind of pops out of the phone and there's all these oh yeah yeah there's like uh these like a little electrical crackles and and stuff like that um and uh just uh also like we mentioned that um the the alien at the beginning i mean that that looks like it could have been in you know any toho film or yeah i mean it looks like a real something that had a lot of money put into it even though this is like uh, such a cheap little kind of short film it there there's a lot of things in it that don't really seem uh that that seem above above that that level if you know what i'm i mean yeah that that alien at the beginning is really well done 
um, for sure. Um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit just a, a couple of, of negatives and kind of get them out of the way before we you know kind of keep going into you know things that that worked really well because um, one of them we've been talking about a bit is it's short right and Bert has said like it's short but it's a film but it's not a short film but it's not a feature and it's it runs at a pretty trim 50 minutes and um i listened to, to your interview with norman and i i know he said like it's because he didn't want like unnecessary fat on the movie and didn't want like just shots of people walking down the street to kind of pad out the runtime but i i do think there's got to be an element to it and I'm not, I'm not saying he shouldn't be proud of the movie or isn't proud of the movie the way it is or anything like that um but there's got to be a, a, an extent to which it's it's at least in part due to budgetary constraints because I think you could add five to seven minutes more in almost every facet. Cause there's basically like three facets of the movie. There's his life as it is, his life, um, his dream life and his exhilarating high. And then his crashing low. And I think you could add at least like five to seven minutes to each one of those three facets just to make it come across more. Um, the, the only one of those three things I think in, in the 50 minutes that really just comes across perfectly is the exhilarating high. The, the song that accompanies the montage is, is adorable. And that's, um, um, a song from Jane. I'm forgetting her name, but she was, uh, in the go-go's and that was like a song of hers from some solo record she did in, I think the nineties or maybe the eighties or something. But like, yeah, that's that's adorable. The watching the their relationship blossom is adorable, and you know how like early in the movie he has a couple of like in his mind fantasies, and like then seeing them kind of come true. But like, there's one little thing that's different. Like she like she brings him two ice cream cones, and like in his mind she like shares them with him. And then in reality, she like drops the ice cream and like they just laugh about it. Like it's just all like this very cute stuff that I think is is pretty perfect or, you know, close to it. I think it doesn't necessarily come across completely that he's got this like boring life of drudgery and sad sackery prior to getting his dream. Right. It definitely comes across that his priorities are a little bit twerked, but it doesn't always come across that he's super unhappy in his life um and then i also think like he goes from finding out that he's homeless to wanting to kill himself in like 15 seconds and it's it's just kind of like whoa whoa like shouldn't you try to figure out what's going on a little bit more (laughs) before you decide to just throw yourself off a bridge and so it's 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 50 minutes i think it could fairly easily be 60 and i think it would have done really well at that like 70 to 75 minute mark i think there's there's a little bit more you could have teased out of all of it um but again you know this is a small small budget affair um so i don't want to i don't want to like if you were if you were frozen in carbonite in the year 20 2008 and you woke up in 2020 (laughs) How much effort would you put into figuring out what's going on before you just threw yourself <laughs> off a bridge? <laughs> I 
it's hard not to throw yourself off a bridge when you know what's going on in 2020. <laughs> that's that's my that's my big kind of complaint though. It sits in this weird kind of nether realm of yeah. it's not quite a short and it's not quite a feature. Which and I think, for us, like usually we're talking, I mean, I, I probably and, would rather have it like this than usually we're talking about, yeah, you could have cut 20 minutes out of this thing. Like that's, that seems like a more common complaint. I probably would rather have it's something almost be... A, it's almost a backhanded compliment in a way of like, I would have liked to spend 15 more minutes with this movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do, I, I do agree with what you said about like there is there it the it, it has it, it has a heart and it, it it is surprisingly like very sweet at times especially in that second act there yeah that it's 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 super cute it's got it's got a charm it's that that second act is it, it was it was like it was like linking love again you know for me of like it's this like Really just cute, adorable, charming, heartful, like, adorable, like, 15 or 20 minutes of, of watching something. Um, I like the funny hand gesture that they do um, whenever they're the little bark, bark, wiggle, 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 that, like, <laughs> yeah. com- complete with sound effects that they even do when they're on the phone together and <laughs> couldn't possibly be seeing each other do it. Um that's that's fun and that's funny and there's there's a, a sense of whimsy I guess I would say to it. Um, and uh, I want to take a minute also to uh, mention the score by Ko Otani uh, is I really like it and. Um, you know, he he basically just did it. You know, as a, a favor to Norman. I don't even know. I I feel like Norman was saying that he didn't even make him pay him to do the score, but like it's it's really good. Um, it kind of ties in. I think I I was reminded of that when you use the word whimsical. Um, I think the score I would say is very. It's whimsical. It's um, it 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 has. This kind of uh, carefree, adventurous, um, like essence to it that I really like. And one of the cool things about the Blu-ray is one of the features is just the score by itself. Um, and uh, you know, I know a lot of kind of niche labels do that sometimes, but um, that's kind of a, a underrated bonus feature that you know you don't see a whole lot of, but but. I'm I'm really glad that they decided to do that because I I do really like the uh, the score in this movie. Yeah, it's really good score. It fits it fits the mood and that whimsical nature like perfectly. Yeah, and um and I, I Otani is just like I don't know uh, he's uh, he's one of the best. I don't I don't think he gets quite enough love just as a composer of you know i mean his gamma scores get talked about a lot but like i don't know i just think in general he 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 doesn't get enough attention from this particular fandom i mean he he's well because he's not a if he's not if a cube or, um... <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, but no, I mean, in terms of, you know, Japanese composers, he's, he's, he's awesome. And, uh, yeah, his score for this is, is just lovely. Um, uh, <clears throat> but yeah, I think, I think, I think it, it, holds up rather well i mean you can it does have that kind of look to it that a lot of digital films from the mid-2000s have where uh yeah. you know i mean that's unavoidable that's just the technology as it was at the time you know you can always kind of it's the same look that you know um if you look at like uh something like i don't know like ultraman max or or something like that like there's the a very a very mid-2000s look to it but again you know that's that's not so much the film's fault as it is just you know the di the digital cameras weren't quite there yet but um uh but yeah no i think it works i mean uh the script norman wrote it with uh jiro kaneko who is shusuke kaneko's brother co-wrote it with him and i i think that it's 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 really clever and um like Matt was saying, like it really does go after uh, a certain subset of nerd culture that you really don't you really don't see a whole lot of. You know, I mean, even here in America, you don't really get a lot of things <clears throat> that are that are really that critical of of collectors. You know, you get you get stuff that like oh, you know, makes fun of nerds, uh, but never the obsessiveness of the collector. You know, I guess the, yeah, I guess the those Simpsons people are crazy. Yeah, I guess the Simpsons, <laughs> you know, the Simpsons has some jokes about it, but you know, you never really see it put under a microscope like this. Um yeah, yeah, and the you know, there's a couple CGI effects that are, you know, the, the CGI spaceship is that's not a good effect. But like, God, aside from that, which I, again, even that, just within the context of something that's so low budget like this, there's a, there's a charm to that. Even Th aside from that, the effects are are really well done. I mean, the the like like you said, Bird, that that suit, that that practical suit. Um, which isn't, I don't think it's even really a suit. I think it's just like a big, because I, I watched that. It's, it's like a hand puppet kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. You, I, like when I watched that making of thing, I was surprised at how small it was. Like they, they made it look like really big. Yeah. And just <laughs> yeah, the variety it's... of techniques used to bring it to life. And it, it's, it's funny because to an extent when you're sitting there watching it, you can, you can kind of tell um and and that's more just like just having an eye for it and having an eye for like oh this tentacle that's coming in is definitely not attached to that suit you know like <laughs> and just like just stuff stuff like that like but like at the same time you or i at least like appreciate that right i appreciate knowing they're using this effect here, this effect here, and this effect here to kind of give you the illusion that this is one continuous effect and one continuous creature, and it, it works actually. Yeah, and um, that that, uh, you could, that that you creature... could pick it out if you're looking for it, but in general, if you're just sitting there watching it, it looks like a just really well done like one continuous creature. Yeah, that creature was made by uh, Kakusei Fujiwara, who. Um... He was a, one of the lead sculptors on the monsters in a lot of the Millennium Godzilla movies and uh, 
um, has done other stuff, um, like, uh, live action Kitaro, Great Yokai War, um, but yeah, no, it's, it's a really impressive puppet thing, and, uh, oh, and yeah, I, 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 I made sure, yeah, because it's probably, like, a, about as big as, like, the torso of a person, but yeah, uh, you wouldn't think that by, by watching it. And I also I made sure because of of having listened to your interview, I made sure to keep my eyes out for the matte painting. And then the matte painting that you get at the end, that's a really God, I, I love matte paintings. Um, and that's a really cool matte painting at the end of the alien homeworld at yeah, the, yeah, at the yeah. very end. Yeah, I, I like that, too. Just it's funny because like like Norman was saying, like, was it? whoever was doing helping him with the effects was like, Oh no, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do a green screen. You know, like I'll do it for you. I'll, I'll do it for free. I'll throw it in there. I just want to do it. And he's like, no, like I want a matte painting. And I'm like, I'm glad he did that. Cause like seeing the, the CG ship, I'm sure the CG background wouldn't have looked, you know, mind blowing or anything. And so if I'm going to get something that's like kind of an artificial looking effect, like let me get that matte painting look to it, but that that just has that yeah. just I miss you don't get paintings. that anymore. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah, the you know there's there's a, a lot of creativity and ingenuity on display for something that is so modestly budgeted and you know it, that is more or less just like a fun little like little film. Um, and yeah, I mean, they, I, I really just felt like they kind of just pulled out all the stops and he had a lot of good people in his corner, like Takashi Yamazaki, the, who's like a huge director now. He did like the space battleship Yamato movie and, um, you know, Returner and all these like big spectacle blockbusters over there. But like, he was just kind of like hanging around all the time cause he loves science fiction and he's like, you know, and like for Norman gave him like their script to read, and like the next day he came back, like he's like, I rewrote the whole thing. Here's what we're gonna do. <laughs> <laughs> he was just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We got like, we don't have a, uh, we don't like, we don't have money to show like the alien home world. What are you thinking? <laughs> um, and uh, and yeah, uh, Shusuke Kaneko is credited as like a story advisor or something like that. Um, uh oh the, another thing i like and i don't know if you guys have a similar experience but Nor when norman was telling us when we did our, our interview with him like how the the character of the the guy that runs the comic store or the toy store or whatever like and how he's just like a dick to these customers <laughs> like he said like that was inspired by like when he was a little kid and like he would go buy comic books and stuff like the guys behind the desk were always just like, oh, God, some stupid kid. Like, you know, and like, I swear to God, like every comic store I went to as a kid, whoever was behind the desk was always like, <laughs> I remember I remember one specific instance. I was probably like nine. I, I bought a comic book and like I I gave the guy my money. And like, again, I'm a little kid, like. And so, like, when I put it on the, the counter, it was, like, all scrunched up. Like, it was in my pocket. Like, my, my mom or one of my grandparents dropped me off at the door or whatever. And, 
you know, here's here's a here's some money and and like and the guy just seemed so irritated that he had to like <laughs> unscrunch my five dollar bill or whatever <laughs> and like that that's 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 that uh that incident like always stuck with me so I knew exactly the kind of person he was talking about when he was talking about how he wanted this guy to be. Um we also have a supporting role by a Ballmark Ibera figure, um, which, you know... Expensive. I, yeah. Expensive. Well, <laughs> I would think so, right? Uh, those those OG toys can go for, like, legitimately three, five, four, what, I mean, several thousand dollars. I believe find them well, in good those condition. go back to, what, the 70s? Earlier? Yeah. Are they kinda, earlier? Yeah. They're, they're in the 70s. And, like, the... That's part of the thing with like him just dropping money on stuff. Like there's if you go on some of those websites now, like um you go out to like Bai, which pulls from like the Yahoo Japan, which is where all the toy auctions are, people are dropping like stacks. I mean, one and two thousand dollars for stuff that was made uh in the in the two thousands on like some of the Marmot toys and things. And there's <laughs> so those those toys in the shop, what I, I, I did like them because like those were some like deep cut kind of things that nobody but not everybody's gonna have, and if you had them, you'd, you'd be sitting on a, a fat sack of cash. Yeah, for sure. that that was shot in a real shop too, and it's actually kind of like fun. Like at the end credits is like all close ups of like their different displays, and yeah, there's a bunch of ultra kaiju and all kinds of all kinds of stuff. Um, but yeah, those those that that's just like how do these people have so much disposable income? I. Stonks. They I don't, don't have I don't know. families or children. <laughs> I mean, some think of about them how do, much, which is crazier. Think about how much money you waste on your kids? Oh, I know, right? What are their yeah. kids getting? I think they gotta freaking eat every day. It sucks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I gotta God. eat them multiple times every single day. God, I can't believe I have to spend money on food for these people. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, I, I mean that's the idol. I don't know. I don't know that there's uh, anything else that anyone wants to say. I mean, I, I think overall, yeah, it, it is something where yeah, I'd maybe want to see ten, fifteen more minutes. It can definitely sustain a more feature length. But you know, I'm also, you know, I'm also not crazy about saying I wish for that either. Like there is something refreshing about the brevity of of things sometimes like when i watch the wolfman like that movie is like barely over an hour like i like that so you know i i'm not gonna get too on a on a soapbox about that but other than that yeah i mean i i i've seen this movie probably in full three times and then another time with the commentary on the blu-ray um i first saw it a few years ago and then I saw it again uh, when I got it. So, um, but yeah, it is one that, like, honestly, I've I've liked more each time I've watched it. You know, the first time I saw it, I was probably more at like a three, three and a half. But uh, yeah, it's one that I I kind of get a little bit more out of on each watch. So I'm comfortable giving it uh, four overpriced uh, Ibiras. <laughs> um I yeah, I I'm 
right there with you. I think tackling something like collector culture, materialism, and doing it as well as it does, and showing both the highs and the lows, which is not easy to do, by the way. Like that, that's a hard, that's a hard balance to find. And doing it as well as I feel it does, I'm uh, also right there at a four. All right. Well, now in case people listening are like, "Oh, they're just being biased," or whatever, uh, we'll give it. We'll 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 pass the mic to Tom to give us his rating. Yeah. So, um, first of all, let me just say that um, this Blu-ray is stacked, um, especially for for uh, a label like SRS and a movie like this. And I know that's probably just because Norman basically just probably just hung on to all his stuff right and then when when uh when when ron bonk said hey we'd like to do a release he was probably like here have everything you know um but uh it's it's awesome to have a movie of this scope and budget and everything that has a release like that that uh you know, it has, like you said, it has a commentary, it has the movie, it has trailers, it has uh, a behind-the-scenes thing that's, like, half an hour long. Like, um, it's it's got quite a bit on it. Um, that's awesome. Um, the movie itself is, like, it is maybe a bit too quick, but, I mean, again, it's... I do also value brevity, and we say all the time that, like, movies in general don't even need to be over you know, a hundred minutes most of the time. Um, and most movies clock in at like two hours and 15 minutes, which means most movies have like at least half an hour of extra crap in them. (laughs) Aquaman, Um, I'm looking at you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it's charming. It's heartfelt. Uh, I am at four out of five also, and, uh, I'll go with, uh, four out of five, stars of the groper train search for the black pearl <laughs> uh yeah that's hotaru uh in his crazy filmography but no i mean uh i mean it's it's a blessing that um i mean well it's a blessing first of all that this movie was made but furthermore it's it's a blessing that you know srs has finally brought it here you know after all these years i mean just that we have this on blu-ray is kind of a miracle um and so yeah for but again i i've been saying with all these you know little indie movies that we're finally getting out here i mean support it uh go to their website you know get the blu-ray check it out um i mean it's it's got a lot to offer and, um, yeah, I mean, if you are one of those collectors and f- you feel like it's going to offend your sensibilities, I, I really don't think it will. Um, I think it, it's, it's just showing, you know, that there are people that, that can maybe take that, take hobbies too far. That goes for any hobby, but yeah, yeah no, I don't, it's, it's, I don't it's, think it's offensive either. No, I, I don't either. Right? I mean, <laughs> and yeah, I, I mean, nor, I mean, anyone that hasn't listened to our interview with Norman about this movie Go and, and listen. I mean, not only do you get a ton of awesome behind-the-scenes stories that, and facts that we didn't even bring up, but, you know, he says, like, you know, I didn't do this because I hate collectors or collecting. He's like, you know, I collect sometimes, but it's just, you know, I wanted to make something that kind of does take the piss out of it a little bit. 
and kind of examine it a little a little further. Um, and, and the collector is the protagonist of the movie, so like, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, and he's so, not unlikable. He's not an right, unlikable right. character. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I, I mean it, it's a quick watch. It's a fun watch. It's uh, rewatchable. And yeah, the Blu-ray release is everything you'd you'd want it to be. So check it out. All right, we uh, we good, guys. We good. I'm good. All right. Thank you for listening to the Kaiju Transmissions podcast. Please take a moment to rate and review us on iTunes, Podbean, and Stitcher. Make sure to subscribe for all the latest episodes. You can also check us out on Twitter at KT underscore podcast. You can check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Kaiju Transmissions. And you can email us at kaijutransmissions at gmail.com if you have any questions or comments. And we will see you next time.